previously on Unbalanced Encounters. I have been thinking a lot about family. It is not something I have thought about often before, but it has come up several times recently. And he like fumbles over that for a second. He's trying to treat you like a person, but has a very hard time not defaulting to this idea that you are a deity. And so he seems to be swinging kind of between those two extremes. I want to reach out for that entanglement. Your wireframe extend beyond the reach of your hand and push into the bond mesh of this creature, of this pained deity. I also saw what you did to the cleanser, the way that you were able to push beyond yourself. I don't know how you did it, Juniper, but it's a technique called bond projection, and it is not something that many of us are well-equipped to do. Looking at the map, I think Isaac would also say, this evening dawn space, gotten any information on them in that area? Has this desert hit them any specific way? I'm very glad you asked me that question. Evening's dawn, the tiny little town situated in the eastern mountains that we have visited in a flashback but once as Isaac removed the head of a defiant woman with violet eyes. My wife has gone to see whether or not they might be brought into the fold. I have not heard from her in six months or more. Sounds like her. and all and welcome to another episode of unbalanced encounters the only show that dares to ask what if trees were real and could hurt you i'm your host patrick Carini. <laughs> say hi everybody hi hi well, hello welcome to episode one of arc four uh <gasps> officially whoa. officially we're we're we are here. now in the fourth arc the fourth of five arcs we are now in tortoise all the way down i know that it has been like a month since we played this game I, I just realized and i'm not saying that i just realized it but being a, a month since we played got a lot of mommy issues in this this group <laughs> demoiselle never calls scarred honestly demoiselle seems to have i think the healthiest relationship with the matriarchal figure in his universe maybe isaac oh, okay i was about to say wait do I have mommy issues? I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you had a pretty good relationship with yeah. your mother. The best. Yeah. She's like, amazing. That's your whole shtick. She's, she's <laughs> a goddess. Has wonderful parents. <laughs> we are going to start with a, a, little, a little device that we have not used in some time. Oh, no. We are going to cut away to something that the party does not see. We see... Haris Al-Zirun, Safra Harissa's father. Slip in from a hidden door in the back of the diplomat's suite in the Citadel on the night that he helped you escape from the now-forgotten Blood Warden. 
and he <clears throat> thrusts his dagger into the door and it slides open and he steps in quickly pulling it out in a fluid motion and shuts behind him glances around the room and whisks into the hall And he retraces Guard and Isaac's steps. We see him summon forth a long history of tracking and survival. Footprints in the dust, broken handles of tools and weaponry, the fountains flowing, assessing damage, trying to make sense of what's happening. And then he turns down a hall dark, quiet, believing himself to be utterly alone, until he hears a slight (coughs) cough from the other end. He pushes himself back up against the wall, dagger drawn, on alert, lets a beat go by, and then begins to move. Painfully, slowly, he approaches what is becoming clear as a person on the ground. And as his eyes adjust to the looming darkness, he sees the half-conscious body of Alistair Wayne. (coughs) Choking and sputtering, neck bruised, blood trickling from his mouth. Alistair, Wayne, Wayne, what the hell happened here? He drops to a knee. Smacks him a little bit, shakes him a little bit, pulls out a little chocolate, pops it into his mouth. Get up, damn it! What happened here? Now Alistair shakily comes to. Oh. I don't know. I don't, I don't rightly know. Azarun, is that you? Oh, where am I? Fuck's sake. All right, well, at least we don't have another casualty. Come on, up, up, up. And he gets him to his feet. We'll get you somewhere safe. There's been an incident. And as he leads Alistair limping off, we see that little trail of blood dripping down from his lip onto the ground. And the camera zooms in on a little puddle of blood. As Alzarun takes Alistair away, we see that tiny little drop of blood congeal into a root and then condense into ash. What the fuck? <laughs> Literally, I was waiting for him to finish talking about what the fuck is happening. <sighs> uh, 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 mm, Excuse uh. me. <laughs> June, it is four in the morning, and you are in your private room, a bedroom attached to your mother's suite in the Citadel. You've been spending a fair amount of time with her since you've been back. And I have to imagine that some of that has been cathartic, and probably a little of it has been fucking weird. 
And so you haven't been sleeping particularly well. And this morning, by dim oil lamplight in this comfortable, if a little small, bedroom, we see you rereading a letter for about the fourth time since it arrived at midnight. Dearest June, I must say, when Reevesy told me that a certain parchment rodent was waiting for me in my office, there was a mighty spring brought to my step. When I found said papyrusifical purveyor in my office, he seemed rather perturbed, mumbling to himself about why he was even bothering when certain things weren't being said in certain ways. I paid no mind to this, though, as I was eager to know what words of yours had been brought over from the other side. I believe it would be an understatement to say y'all been through some shit. I cannot even begin to imagine what kind of reunion that must have been with Katerin. But when next you see her, please give her my regards and tell her I think she has done a mighty fine job as a mother. Not too much has been occurring here since you left. The geckos are bringing in quite a steady haul these days of elderberries, but as Demoiselle and Ganbald are still indisposed in their nuptial plane, I find myself with a gradually increasing supply of slowly rotting berries. The myconids have been rather more unruly than usual of late, and somehow smuggling in even more mortal contraband than normal. They seem to be using what can only be described as blood-root bramble patches to commit the excursions back and forth. I will have to monitor that. Other than that, much is as it was when you last saw this place, but I do find myself losing sense of time. One thing I find lacking in the afterlife is the thrill of danger, but not mortal peril necessarily, but more the feeling you get when climbing a particularly tall tree or standing at the edge of a steep cliff and feeling that shot of self-preservation run through your limbs, that quickening of life as you ponder jumping just for a second. The last time I felt that was... Well, when I was with you, that same jolt as I thought of things I had wanted to say, but found myself holding back from. I hope that when next I find myself, let's say, at the edge of a cliff, that I will find the courage to jump. Toodaloo, Melvin. Cutest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) The bunny riz. She's probably made a, like, went to the wardrobe climbed up on top of it and is like somewhere high that is her comfort zone there's no trees in here and as you're shuffling around on top of this dresser you hear a knock the door jump from the dresser to the bed and like scurry under the blankets (laughs) 
Juniper? You, you are in there? And she opens the door. You see your mother standing at the door. She has a book tucked up under her arm and is leaning on a cane. I'm sorry, sweetheart. I heard you were awake. I thought you might have been awake anyway. And uh, is everything okay? Just been having some trouble sleeping. Mama, um, are, are you okay? Are you, you're up pretty early? Like you said, trouble sleeping. But, uh, put it to good use. You remember I was telling you about that book. Talks about the bomb blade, bond projection, some more advanced techniques from the sisterhood. Oh, yeah, and move over to give her some room to sit on the bed. She steps in, looks around a little bit, sees the remnants of you being kind of up on the the dresser. You left a pillow up there. I I like trees, Mama. It feels weird being in a bed. I know, sweetheart. You were never meant for this world. And she sits down on the bed, and she hands you a book. I'll open it up to the first page. You see a deeply inscrutable cipher a code of some sort, a way of writing that in places seems like it might be almost familiar. You are able to pluck out a few words in Old Imperial, a few proper names that are Tanine in Providence, but that you have picked up from just being around Harissa, reading some of the books about the cleanser, things of that ilk. You can start to pick apart the context, but you get the sense that this is written in a cipher specific to the sisterhood that you have not properly been taught. Mechanically, what's happening here is that this book is written in Thieves' Cave. Yay! So uh, at some point, if you would like to spend some uh, downtime whenever you get it, you can take the time to effectively learn Thieves' Cant as a, as a language, and you'll be able to fully understand this book. Oh, shit. That's right. I wasn't going to teach you this until I could explain things properly. I mean, is the sisterhood that bad, Mama? That you wanted to keep me from it? You said I'm not meant for this world. I'm not meant for this. I always wanted you to know our secrets. I always wanted you to have the skills that were imparted to me by my time spent in the sisterhood. I never wanted you to have to follow their orders or obey their rules. They're not inherently bad, Juniper. Very few things are, but they are not inherently free. Are they, like, are they supposed to put some checks and balances on the larger powers, but they regulate themselves? They try. Our training is rigorous and disciplined. You've been going through it for some time. You know the focus on the mind and the body. This idea that you are meant to self-restrain and self-govern. But as you can see from Trent, they are not always benevolent actors. Of course not. We're all going to make those mistakes. (laughs) 
Yours truly, especially, darling. Everybody's just trying to control everybody else. I wish everybody would just mind their own damn business sometimes, you know? It's hard to know where the line is, Juniper. How many times a day do we hear guards say he's off to kill the Empress all? <laughs> Down that yellow brick road. We're off to kill the Empress. We're off to kill the Empress. <laughs> the hobbits are thinking the right eyes. And it is a noble quest, indeed. But it will have consequences. And someday, someone is going to look at that action and say, why couldn't they leave well enough alone? Now I might not agree with them. You might not agree with them. The world at large might not agree with them, but some moron is going to think that the Empressar would have been a better option. I can't promise you any easy answers, Juniper. But right or wrong, I've always been taught that you have to look to yourself and trust yourself. And speaking of which, there's something else I wanted to show you in this book. And she thumbs to another page. And on it, you see an illustration. A humanoid form outlined in a bond wireframe and then another panel a humanoid form and the bond wireframe divorced the bond wireframe almost pushing space out into the bond of the world occupying its own silhouette bond projection this is what you did out there right she'll take her her stump and kind of lay it out like on the book I want to go over this with you I want to figure out whether or not that was a fluke accident some quirk of deity or if this is something that you can do that'd be one hell of a fucking fluke <laughs> I, mean, I think we both seem weird as shit uh, that's fair alright when do you want to when do you want to test this mama we can go get started right now if you want sure I'm not tired. And she stands up and she goes to the door. And as she gets to the door, she she pauses for a second. And she's sort of blocking the path. Takes a minute to take a breath and then turns to you. Mama? I wanted to ask you something, Juniper. As it so happens, there is a vacancy in the hierarchy. And the sisters have asked if I might ascend to Grand Matron for Agravar. Like the boss boss. She nods. Wow. Do you want that? I'm not finished what I set out to do, and I think this might provide me a way to try to finish that work. But I am not going to make this mistake a second time. I won't do it unless you want me to. Oh, you can't put... What are you going to do if I say no? She smiles. I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to focus on myself. And what if I say, go do it? That one's honestly a little bit more of the complicated one. I, I will have to step up, help navigate the political quagmire that your brother seems to find himself in at the moment. A quagmire, I will admit, is of mostly my design. I'll be helping him get out of it. And he needs your help. Can I, can I think about it? She nods. And we fade to black. God damn it. Like, put all that shit on your daughter. Really? Right. Really? 
You thought she was gonna change in a few weeks, bro? Come on now. <laughs> no. Uh, who you think this is? There's a reason why her and Isaac are friends, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. Listen, listen. Oof. Speaking of Isaac, we see Isaac wake up way too late in the morning. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And Isaac, you are in your bedroom uh, attached to the diplomat suite, the same room that you were stationed in before. And you see a little bit of sunlight coming in through one of the high windows and you hear uh, dishes clanking and clattering in that main living area. You hear some some muffled voices through the door as well. He just walks out, kimono on and kind of holding it like a mom. Saf, what's all that racket? Uh, You walk out into this main living area and you see uh, that a table has been set up and Safra and Spinks and Benny and Whiskers and Scrumpy are all tucking into a huge breakfast spread. Isaac stacks his plate up with biscuits mainly. And then... There's some gravy. (laughs) Other pieces of food. Yeah, some gravy. Get some bacon. Throw the eggs on. All right. So, uh, how are things back at home? Isaac, you've kind of cornered one end of the table with, uh, with Benny and Whiskers. And Whiskers is just like... Whiskers has a sack of pancakes that, uh, are, like, taller than he is. And he's, like, his, like, arms are up over his head as he cuts slices out of it. No discernible reason. This is not an efficient way to eat food. But he is, <laughs> he is overwhelmed with the bounty of this. Isaac takes a piece of bacon. He's looking at Benny all, like, just happy and go lucky. And he just... I'm here to listen. Benny... Takes another bite of, like, melon. She's got a little fruit bowl in front of her. <sighs> Isaac, you know you really have a way of being very irritating. It's called charm, Benny. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 What, is, uh, what is happening back at home? Honestly, not a lot is happening back at home. We're running low of supplies. Your brother and his family are staying there because it's apparently safer than here. Hmm. I'll have to talk to... Hank about being able to uh, supply you guys back at Rally because I'm pretty sure that was a part of our arrangement. It absolutely was, which is honestly the only reason why I'm here at all. Beyond that, well, yes, my brother's being hunted down kind of sort of like I was, except I'm way better at fighting off assassins than he is, so it's probably... Whiskers just like threw a mouthful of pancakes. It's just like... Isaac, I think this is probably what you get for taunting the fates. He's a very good... You honestly shouldn't be so full of hubris. No, I'm, I'm full of mainly, like, blood and organs and, you know, just spite alone is mainly the main <laughs> stuff I'm full of. I don't know about hubris. I don't know who that is. But, um, listen, listen, listen. Everything's gonna be A-OK, and it's not because I have some foolhardy scheme set up. It's because... We're just going to save the world, and then we don't have to worry about the episode anymore. Benny fully just, like, rests her head in her hand. Fuck's sake, Isaac. What we need you to do is we need you to go to the Lord Governor and orchestrate us a supply drop. Yes, yes. That's what we started this conversation with. Benny, I thought you were the note taker back in, in Rally. Come on now. Get, get, where's the pen and pad at? Gosh, I leave for a few weeks. And everything goes to hell. All right. We're going to get our, our route set up with, with Hank. And then also, we'll figure out what assistance he needs from us. But not until we get what we need first. 
Rally, rally is the most important thing and will always be the most important thing. And that's why we do all this crazy magic nature stuff, talking to gods. Uh, go ahead and roll me your choice of persuasion or deception. I'm not interested in whichever it is. Absolutely. <laughs> and he got a 22 insight. Amazing. 24. She eyes you up and down and you see her kind of relax a little bit. It, it seems like she is buying the line for the moment. And she straightens a little, kind of rolls her neck. How your shoulders doing? You need a massage or something? They got I, those Honestly, here. I have been so fucking stressed since I found out I about know, the Trent situation. I, I know a few spots. I know a few spots. Yeah, point That's me the, wherever. But honestly, point me wherever you go. Because for fuck's sake, you look like you haven't had a worry in three years. I hear you guys fought a god. How are you so chill right now? Well, when you stand in front of beings that could literally uh, delete you from existence entirely, you start to notice how small and minuscule your actual existence is. And then you sit back and you go, well, does any of this really matter? Is any of my life really that important in the whole large scheme? And he just starts going on this rant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as you as you sort of trail off, uh, we see we see Whiskers like take three whole pancakes and just like swallow them whole. He's just devouring these fucking pancakes, uh, and he goes, "You know he's right. The same thing happened to me when I had a similar experience." And then we smash cut to uh, Scrumpy and Harissa. I think uh, Safra is there just with a very tiny uh, espresso cup, leaning back in her chair enjoying the kind of continental kind of pastries that are on the table and i feel like she's on the end of the table and and then sphinx is like at yeah. the head of the table you know sure, what i mean sure, sure, on, a, sure. on like a big cushion and literally just sort of plate of pancakes like whiskers <laughs> unhinges his jaw like 180 degrees and just pours them in scrumpy i wanted to have a word with you of course Firstly, I want to say that I know what it's like having to do something that other people want you to do. I appreciate that it's not been easy for you for a lot of your life, and I, I can empathize. I would like you to come with us on the next leg of this journey, but only if you want to come with us. He takes a bite. He's got a little bowl of oatmeal, very daintily dressed with some blueberries takes a conservative little bite and says, um, well, I'm honored to be asked, of course. Uh, when you say next leg of the journey, where, what, where are you intending on going? I've, I've heard vague rumblings about uh, headed east, and every time the, the topic comes up, Isaac gets real cagey for some reason. Well, um, <laughs> that's Isaac, I mean, uh, but we know that we need to head east. My mother was there trying to rally more people for the cause. There's some strange earthquakes as well that are now concerning me. We need to find exactly where the Eastern Front is. And I just have this feeling in my bones that your knowledge and your skills, we need them. Go ahead and roll me a persuasion check, if you'd be oh. so kind. You can give me a, you can give me this with advantage. Good, because I got a seven. Uh <laughs> Okay, 15 that time. <laughs> Thank you. Scrumpy takes another bite of his oatmeal. 
and kind of glances around. He pulls a little hip flask out, unscrews it, pours a shot into his oatmeal. Oh, uh, speaks, maple syrup? And he hands him the hip flask. Oh, oh yeah, thanks! Pours on whatever the fuck is in the hip flask onto the pancake. Y- you, you get a look at it now. It is genuinely a hip flask full of syrup. Oh, okay, it's syrup. Okay, fine. It's not. I don't know if that's better or not. <laughs> I think Saffir is going to just raise an eyebrow. Scrubby does not acknowledge. Does not acknowledge you in any way. Uh, takes another bite of his oatmeal. It's fine. Uh, she's going to assume he's not just pouring saps spirilla in his oatmeal so she's like okay fine we will see what happens to Spinks in a minute uh, <laughs> as he pours in another bin lid of uh, pancakes into his mouth yes I think that would be wise I uh things have been a little complicated since we left Rally and honestly even a bit before and um, I'm getting up there in years Safra. I don't know how many more Runarounds I've got left in me. I mean, regardless of age, in this world, how long have any of us got left? That's a good point. I want to put an end to this loop I seem to be stuck in. I'm more than willing to go and help however I can. But um, I think I might have to ask for one condition. Of course. A couple of times over our last harrowing excursion, you sought my intervention. I needed to sort of dose up on some sap. I prefer not to do that again. And he jiggles the syrup flask. I think that is admirable. And I respect you very much for this decision. And I guarantee you, when this is all done... I will do everything in my power to make sure you have the freedom you deserve in your last few years. Uh, The door to the room that everyone's in kicks open with a great fury. (laughs) And you see guards stumble in looking haggard, scratch marks and bits of blood all over his uh, armor and plating. And it almost looks like he has been, it looks like he's been in a bad fight, but he's trying to hold it together. And he like stumbles into the room with a big burlap sack over his back. Morning, God. He opens it up and he dumps (laughs) it onto the table and a whole bunch of everything bagels fall onto the table. (laughs) Amazing. I have made these. Amazing. Yes. Everyone should have one. And he's going to start handing everyone everything bagels. Guard, take inspiration if you haven't done that already. If you don't have it. Also, I smashed up this smoked fish into a paste after I removed its bones and skin. Mm-hmm. You can put it on the bagels. Oh, okay. That's some. Guard, this is I'm really a- good. Okay, stop. Also, if anybody sees any capybaras before we leave the city, let's go the other way. I'm sick of this. And he's like pulling pieces of fur and bone out between his like gauntlet knuckles. You're not wrong. This city has a real problem with capybara. I'm just not going to read into that and I'm going to enjoy my bagel. I'm so glad you did that because I feel like I wanted God to be making croissants in the corner or some shit. Oh, you don't even understand. This is 
Guard is baking from now on. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yes. You know what? You know what? Guard, uh, guard. Um, I, I know I gave you inspiration. I'm actually gonna give you proficiency in cooks utensils. Let's 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 keep it to baking. Let's be let's be honest with ourselves. Baking, yeah, I mean 100. Baking utensils. Baking utensils. Yeah, yeah. Baking. Take proficiency in baking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are gonna we are gonna draw that breakfast uh, to to a close. And with that, we actually are moving into uh, our first prolonged period of downtime as Harissa's vague understanding that you all need to head eastward never quite materializes into concrete marching orders and a direction. And there are some reasons for this. Uh, One of them, and probably a smaller one, given how often people actually listen to Isaac, uh, is that Isaac is going out of his way to avoid talking about the earthquakes and what he knows to be Jonathan and the rumored retreat. However, there are several other more concrete reasons that none of you seem to be able to launch out of Agravar again. The predominant one is that there still has been no word from Zisha Azira, Safra's mother. There's also, more concerningly, been no word from anyone on the Eastern Front and the Eastern Army and the Agra Army stationed there. No one on the council seems to know with any degree of certainty where the Eastern Front even is at the moment and how far the Lord Governess Kawa has pushed it back into the Eastern Hills. And so things drag on and a sense of diseasy uncertainty settles in over all of you, and indeed the capital city at large. But it's a calm uneasy. No threat, no active catastrophe to be quelled. You all find temporary solace in massages, continental breakfasts, and while none of you are particularly pleased with the state of things, there isn't really a clear alternative. I would like a volunteer from the four of you to roll me a d4. D4, you say? If this number is over two, uh, it means that you all are going to get a little something extra. It's a three. Seven weeks pass. Seven? Whoa. Safra would be going stir-fucking-crazy. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go around the table and ask all of you to tell me what you are getting done in the first four weeks as you get a month of downtime to accomplish a single thing. Oh my god. The little extra is that you're all going to get three additional weeks to accomplish something else. So you're going to get two phases of downtime. I expect Safra's second phase of downtime is going to be breaking things with a cricket bat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 100%. But we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to go around uh, the room here. And uh, I I would like to start with... Uh, either Isaac or Guard. How old is the city? Agravar City has been around for probably a few thousand years in some form or another. Perfect. Guard is going to go to the Temple of Pandar at some point and just see what they know about 
old stuff about guardians, etc. Because he remembers, I don't remember where, but somebody mentioned that that was a thing worth doing at some point. So he's going to take the time to do that. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me, uh, we're going to go ahead and we'll say that this is a religion check. That's a very good roll. So guard has a minus one to religion checks. What'd you get? I rolled a 19 on the die. Nice. So an 18. Okay. That's an very 18, good. An 18 is very good. Mm-hmm. It's the second highest I can possibly roll on a religion check. Uh, guard, <laughs> you go to this former temple of Pandar that has since been converted into a bureaucratic office space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 kind of got that vibe of like um, uh, if you've ever been in like an American city where there are these incredible Art Deco buildings that like now like therapists and accountants and what the fuck ever just kind of like work out of right like at one point this was a a building that was cohesive to a very specific goal but now it's just kind of like it's filled with whoever they can find to basically rent it out uh it's got that kind of vibe to it and so you're exploring this space that is being communally used by people who do everything from uh, help to manage the city's infrastructure. Uh, you see that there's like a lot of dust on the the door that reads uh, City Exterminator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one got Emily, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Specializes uh, in capybara. Uh, through to people who do, you know, kind of additional paperwork, help manage personnel and so forth. Uh, you see that Isaac's father's office is here uh, in this building. That is set against this backdrop of very deep religious reliefs. And it's almost as if they used the occupancy of this building as an excuse to preserve it in the face of what otherwise may have led to destruction. So you do find something. On the walls, you see inorganic looking structures depicted kind of again and again. You see some things that sort of look like the Tinin Sentinels that you've learned of from Haris al-Zarun. You also see a figure kind of represented over and over as differently shaped in the body, always very rigid and geometric, but the head is very consistent and it's always an owl's head kind of over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You're not really entirely sure what this thing is, but you you see it referenced a lot in juxtaposition to the things that you know to be sentinels. You also uh, see additional representations of things that might be guardians. They occupy a similar uh, space in the, the release and so forth of just other shapes, other structures. Uh, At one point, you see something that looks like a boulder that has been sort of carved into uh, the space, and it is rooted at the base of a hill uh, and surrounded by what look like ears of corn. And you get the uh, idea, the rough idea, that this was some sort of protective deity of the fields. Uh, And it's represented, again, similar size to the Sentinels and so forth. So you kind of get the sense that maybe this was another form of something similar. All of that's a little vague. You do find one very concrete piece of information on an 18. You find a couple of books in in Isaac's dad Maximus's office. You find a few (laughs) contraband uh, texts from the Pandar religion. And one of them makes reference to a progenitor of guardians, an original guardian. 
and you see that there's a Tanin word that you don't recognize that represents what this this thing is referred to by the Tanin, and Maximus helps you translate. It's matron. And that's what you get. Okay. Isaac, you're next. Uh, definitely talking to Hank about what's going on with the supplies heading to Rally. Are you trying to figure out why they aren't coming, or are you just trying to bully him into getting it done? Uh, bullying him into getting it done. Okay. Uh, go ahead and give me an intimidation check, please. Uh, that is an 18. On an 18, you start to kind of push him around a little bit, and he immediately gets defensive, asserting that the supplies, as far as he was aware, are going out on a regular basis. Damn it, Hank. However, uh, on an 18, uh, he assures you uh, he will start splitting the supply drops so that they're moving in parallel along different paths and in different ways. That's what you get on an 18 uh, okay. for, for that. But I will say that you walk away with the sense that something is amiss. Very amiss. Yeah, mm-hmm. that why would these supplies go missing? Oh. Uh, let's, let's visit... Uh, let's visit you for my first month. I think she would be working with um, her mother and spending a lot of time in the library. What do you want to try to accomplish in the first four weeks? How to read Thieves Can't. Okay. So I could read the book. Go ahead. Please go ahead and give me, uh, we'll say, another intelligence uh, plus proficiency role. That is a 15. Much like all of your other studies, and languages in particular, this comes to you pretty easily. A couple days in, you start to pick up the pattern. And it makes a tremendous amount of sense. The hoops that they are having you jump through linguistically obfuscating but once you get it very easy to move through go ahead and please mark down peace can't yay it's a language that you know Uh, and with that we are going to go to safra safra how are you spending this downtime i honestly think safra is going to be doing what she can to try and figure out where the eastern front is sure where her mother is because you know she kind of has to figure that out too um one of the ways in which she's going to try and do that is i think she's going to use some pigeons she's going to tie her button of sight oh okay to these pigeons or these birds and Uh just send them east as far as they will go and see if she can see anything she's going to repeatedly try in just different directions different things See if she can see anything from a bird's eye view. I would like you to please roll me a survival check. That is a 23. This is probably going to color your second downtime activity. (laughs) Fair enough. Continue. (laughs) On a 23, you find nothing. A conspicuous, sonorous, resounding nothing. And there's one part of the world in particular, the furthest reach that you get to on wing. Evening's dawn. 
that should be a distant Agra outpost. It was taken by the Agra Wardens. It was a key chokehold for traveling through the eastern hills and into the heartland. An incredibly valuable resource. Silent is the grave. Just no signs of there'd been anyone there for a long time or like they just got up and left. I don't think you are going to be able to get that. Like, it's a bird's eye view, right? Fair. So, you know, there's no agriculture happening in Evening Dawn. It's an outpost town. They, they bring supplies. Nobody goes in or out. I think increasingly, Safra is going to be in a worse and worse mood <laughs> over the following weeks as each bird sort of reaches and just comes back and she's just getting more and more frustrated. We're going to start back at the top. Uh, Cinder. Yes, I think that what's going to end up happening is after Guard learns everything he can, he is going to decide to take advantage of the fact that he's not a person and take walks in places that most might not and try to find some of those old, old forgotten parts of the city deep buried that might be from an era when uh, the matron is more of a known thing, or that, or this this owl face uh, is less of a whimsical thing written across old tomes. Okay, go ahead and roll me athletics, punching holes in walls. <laughs> I'm not giving you. I'm not giving you athletics. Um, is there a difference between investigation and religion for you? No. Okay. Uh, I would like you to roll me any of your choice of intelligence-based checks. Uh, I am going to ask you which one it is. They're all the same? That's fine. That The answer is going to color what you find. You know what? Guard is not an investigator. Guard follows his empty chest where a heart could be. Um, and I think that Guard is a magically driven boy. I'm going to do an Arcana check. Okay, I love that. Go ahead and roll Arcana for me. 19 minus 1, 18. Second best roll I could do again, possibly. Incredible. Guard, you go missing for eight consecutive days. What? Here for it. That's right. He's somewhere. It's fine. Here How did for we lose? It. You spend a day and a half stumbling around the sewers of Agravar, passing underneath the Dark Abyss and the Citadel and other places further afield over and over and over again, retreading the same ground in the way that you always do, waiting for something to change. And then at a certain point, you fall through a weak stone in the floor into the ruins of some underground passageway, some foundation of a building that has long since become the foundation of the foundation of the world above. And then you begin to walk. Every now and then, stopping to relight a torch, just to make sure that you can see 
and what seems at first to be streets, potentially, or basements of taverns, eventually gives way to a more intentional-looking cavernous space that we would recognize as a catacombs. And you find yourself staring at similar reliefs to those found in the Temple of Pandar. Religious mosaics. You happen upon a large fresco painting that has just barely survived being buried down here. In fact, you think it may have only survived because it was buried down here. The bottom of it, totally worn away by water, faded, but still discernible. And what catches your attention is that owl-shaped figure. And you see that in this depiction, it has taken a part of itself, a pain of itself, and seems to be performing some kind of ritual with it. And you sort of follow this fresco as it observes the stations of this entity being created. And it goes from a single pane to something that self-assembles. That pane of glass living kind of deep in its eyes amasses rock and clay and stands upright. And at the end, you see a figure that looks a lot like what you would have seen in the book, an early representation of Matron. Whatever this owl figure was, it seems to have created the first guardian. And the fresco is kind of set up almost in a cycle, where the matron then takes part of itself and assembles it into something that loops back around into the owl-shaped figure. You're not sure what all of this means, but it probably means something. I think Guard is going to take some time and gently run his hand along the fresco sort of tracing the story and for a moment he's going to like reach up and touch that image of the shard of glass with stone and rock sort of building up around it and kind of try to feel his chest at the same time to feel if there is something there even if it's just symbolic. As you do that, I think you summon a recollection from an earlier conversation with Ganbald. Guardians are a manifestation of the universe's will. That shard of glass, in this instance, reads to you like will manifest. That settles into your understanding of yourself and of the world in a way that feels harmonious. Guard is going to look up at the fresco of the big owl, trying to sit in that idea that he is a guardian and that guardians are a manifestation of will and that will undirected is sort of nothing. And he is going to ask, not to anyone in particular, but sort of trying to reach into that larger space that he doesn't even really know if he's connected to, that 
greater whatever this thing is that he's connected to. While looking at the owl on the fresco, he is going to say, I would like to meet this matron. I would like to meet my matron. And we see your torch go out. And then you retrace your steps and you eventually get yourself out of this hole and you work your way back through the sewers. As you're about to emerge into the Citadel, you see Alistair Wayne climbing a ladder. And we cut. Isaac, how are you spending your uh, next three weeks of downtime? Um, I think I would be preparing my plate armor with my mama. So, okay, so here's, here's the deal. I am going to ask you to make me a, uh, just a flat dex check, no proficiency. Uh, the DC for repairing this is two, right? Like, you and your mother are going to get this, this armor prepared. If you hit an at 20, uh, your mother is going to fucking show up on this one. I am going to give you mithril plate armor. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, my gosh. Roll that at 20. Right, just just getting it done. So much pressure, guys. Is anybody else sweating? It seems like that's so <laughs> hot in here. That's a five. Uh, <laughs> you and your mother repair so this. So close, armor. right? Uh, and uh, and I think that uh, you take some time to just like talk to her about where you're planning on going right what what's next uh, uh for you and uh i think you also managed to talk her into uh, at least provisionally taking the job the consulting job uh that hank had extended to her uh and with that harissa you have three weeks of nothing radio silence no information the button plan gave you a very conspicuous lack of information and almost scarily conspicuous lack of information but you're probably going a little stir crazy off the back of it yes what do you do with your last three weeks she would have spoken with her father any information that he might have any kind of insights into what she would do that Safra may not know um as he knows her obviously better than she does and i think she's going to keep going down to those like supply wagons that she'd started setting up previously and just meticulously checking rechecking so like when they need to go they are ready to go and i think she is literally i think in the last week she i think finally pulls her father in for that conversation to say i am leaving at the end of this week i am so sick of my mother dictating when I should leave, where I should go, how I should do it. I'm fucking sick. I am leaving at the end of this week, regardless. And I'm heading to that town and finding out what the fuck happened. Uh, Roll me intimidation with advantage, please. You're trying to beat a 13. Oh, that was so close to a nat 20. I got a seven. Safra, I understand your frustration. I really do. No, you don't. You do not. You know nothing about how fucking frustrated I am right now. If you did, you would understand and you would let me go. But actually, you know what? I don't even need you to let me go. I'm going anyway. So fuck you. Fuck this place. I'm fucking sick. Where are you going to go? East. 
I'm going to that fucking town. You're going to go on your own out across enemy lines. We don't know where the Eastern Front is. If I have to, if no one else wants to come with me, that is what I will do. We, we all want to come with you. We all want to find your mother. We all want to figure out what the fuck is happening. I think I need to correct you. Some of us want to find my mother. I am not one of them. We all want to figure out what's happening, however. Safra, you are the most competent person I have ever met. And I respect that I have had little part in helping you arrive there. It dies with you. Then let it die on my terms. I will not let it die by rotting in this fucking city. What is the merit of dying alone in the desert? Firstly, I do not think I will be alone. And even if I am, I'll have died knowing I tried. It's always been that way with you. The attempt so noble it overshadows whether or not you make it out on the other end. To try and to fail is to fail. Don't you understand that if we do not try at all, we will never succeed? You think it will just go well if we just sit here and do nothing? It'll magically be okay. I think you guys are having this conversation in the sort of stables, the riding birds and the carts are being pulled together in this space and... Uh, You generally thought that you were alone. You had overseen the last little bit of work on these carts. Acer from Beetleback had been in charge of making sure that all of the carpentry work is done, and you had sent him away for the day. And you hear a... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, I come bear news from the Lord Governor. And you whip around all fire and brimstone... And Alistair is poking his head from around the corner. Well? Again, I apologize. There has been word from the Eastern Front. The Lord Governor would like to see everyone in the war room at the end of the day. Before he even finishes, Safra has stormed past him towards wherever the fuck Hank is right now. (laughs) Your father just rubs his forehead. I don't know which I fear more. That she gets a direction or that she doesn't. June, what, uh, what are you getting up to in these next three weeks? Training with her mama bond bond projection go ahead and uh go ahead and give me uh we're gonna say a uh wisdom check no proficiency but you are getting advantage because you can read the book now second one is 15 okay the dc for success here was a 15 so just by the fucking skin hair on my chinny chin chin we see Moment after moment of meditation 
hand-to-hand combat. Simple meals, reflection, study, meditation, combat, meal, reflection, study, over and over and over again. For two weeks, you and your mother stay cloistered away from everyone else, having carved out a little monastic-looking living space in Riley Trent's old office. And you find no luck. No matter how hard you push, how hard you try to manifest this bond of manipulation, it doesn't happen. And I have a question for you, June. What did you decide about your mother's position as Grand Matron? She decided to tell her mother that she should she should take it to help her brother and because June doesn't think she could trust anybody else to be in that position. She nods. I think that's right. I know it's a delicate situation, but uh, Hank would like to make all of you permanent members of the Agra Council. She smiles. As you said, there are not a lot of people that he can trust. The council's pretty near empty at this point. I mean, I I, I understand, like, you know, Safra and Isaac. Um, you know, I, I maybe even... Gar- I, I don't... Whoa, 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 whoa. Mama, I don't know what to say. That's mad. That's madness right there. That's he must have such a small pool. Um, I, honestly, yes. I mean, I don't mean to diminish your capacity as someone who could be of genuine use to him, but it's not a very long list, Juniper. I don't know if you've noticed. We haven't been outside very much lately, but this country is on its last leg. I was trying to fight for my home, and now, and my home was in the woods, small, small little town, with, with my family, and now we're f- fighting for a, a bigger home. I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw with advantage, please. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! The fuck, man! like angrily rolling the uh, both 18s <laughs> nice june your right arm reflexively shoots up hand missing as you <laughs> catch a wooden ball in midair bond wrenching out of your arm and suspending this ball in shimmering 
blue light. She's got like a projection hat. That's so cool. That's badass. And from the other end of the hallway, you see Benny. She smirks and says, I see you've finally gotten the hang of keeping the ball aloft. And your mother looks out to her and then back to you and says, I think you'll do fine, Juniper. Welcome to the mid-roll of our first episode of our fourth arc, which we're calling Tortoise All the Way Down. Really just one quick note for y'all. I wanted to remind you that we are going to be taking December off, which means that this is the last episode that we're going to be releasing before the end of the year. If you're all caught up, you're listening to these in real time, our next episode is going to be coming out probably the first week of January. And if that means that you don't have any unbalanced encounters to listen to over the break, might I recommend the bonus arcs on our Patreon. We have three excellent bonus arcs, each three parts, which is something like 18 hours of additional content, all set in the world of Astilla, all tangentially red string connected to the story of Rally. Our first bonus arc was Blight at the Museum, an eldritch horror DM'd by Cinder and guest starring T.W. Clausen. Our second bonus arc, Old Folk's Tome, was a folk tale that I DM'd and guest starred Hunter Thompson. And our most recent bonus arc, The Otter Sea, is a pirate game that, again, I GM'd. Ibrahim, aka Cosmic Ebe, guest starred in, and was our first non-D&D game where we played Rapscallion, an upcoming Powered by the Apocalypse game published by Magpie Games. So if you need more Unbalanced Encounters over the next couple of weeks, go to patreon.com slash unbalancedencounters, start a free trial, binge all of them within the first week, and then you can bounce, or, you know, if you're so inclined, you can continue supporting us so that we can keep making this show well into the future. That's all for now, and I'll see you on the other side. We join the four of you, along with Haris Alzarun, Alistair Wayne, and Katarin, in the war room. As Hank presides over a meeting. And you all have settled in anxiously into this dark and very official feeling space. Quiet. The walls seem to absorb whispers as Hank walks in last. Stack of papers few maps, the sound of boot heels on stone ground. All right. I mean, first and foremost, thank you all for uh, for coming. I know this is a bit of an unofficial capacity. More on that later. But I know you've all been cooling your heels here for longer than you probably want. We have word from the Eastern Front, and unfortunately, it's... Uh, It's not good news. The Kawa army 
has fully pushed through the eastern line. Apparently, what was left of our eastern line fell back to Evening's Dawn. It was an absolute last resort for them because, up until very recently, Evening's Dawn was pretty well within Agra territory. How long ago did this happen? About four weeks ago, looks like. When I sent eyes over that town, there was no one there. No one there? It was completely deserted. I mean, this is the first time hearing of anyone falling back to Evening's Dawn, but we haven't been able to get word in or out of Evening's Dawn for weeks. Seems all of our missives have gone intercepted. And he shoots a look at Isaac. Seems to be a lot of interception on the roads these days. Now you're telling me that you put... How did you even put eyes on Evening's Dawn? It doesn't really matter, but basically I had a very good bird's-eye view of Evening's Dawn, and there is nobody there. Perhaps the missive didn't get intercepted, and instead just there was no one to give it to. I'm not going to lie to you all. The Eastern Front was the only front we were even remotely holding. It's been nearly two months, and I haven't heard word from anyone on the Southern Line either. This is bad, and we need a plan. We need to head out there for ourselves. I mean, at least we have a target now. Evening's dawn. But it's entirely possible that it's well behind enemy lines. We're going to have to go in well prepared. This is why I said we should have left a long time ago. Perhaps it wouldn't have been behind enemy lines by the time we got there. Hmm? And we all had to sit around. For weeks. Um, Isaac will just place a hand on the table. We can't alter the past. Or maybe we can Oh, go, 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 ignore me. But <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think we met that that god yet. But um, there are issues that do need to be in the present, uh, focused on, and let's deal with those issues first. As you say, I agree with the captain here. We should head in that direction. However, we still have the issue of the south. And what we need to do with if anyone tries to attack us from that route. The last report we got was a little over a month ago. And we still had several thousand men in the south. Now, I don't know what state they're in. Getting information has been sketchy at best. But they should be alive. What are your sources? He shoots a look at Alistair. Insight check from guard. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I'm using my inspiration. Oh, he wants this. 18. Shit. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, what are you looking for? I think he doesn't have the city's best interest at heart. I think he is selfishly trying to do something. Alistair doesn't seem to be making eye contact with anyone. And an 18 is very good. He conspicuously doesn't seem to be making eye contact with anyone. Harissa, can I talk to you for a minute? Guard, are you, are you okay? There is something wrong. As I was traversing the catacombs of the city, I encountered him in a mysterious way. And since then, I have been thinking it is unusual for people to be as far in the depths as I was. And he is acting odd. Firstly, this explains where you were for those eight days. Secondly, (laughs) what did you see him doing? Climbing a ladder. 
out of the sewers. But the area that I was in, it was one that I do not believe many people have gone to in many years, and certainly not in the lifetime of most people. He is acting odd in this meeting. I'm gonna do a, you know, glance over there and insight as well, if I'm I think we should kill him. I... <laughs> <laughs> wait, I'm wait, gonna wait. say I'm not. I'm not gonna give you a separate insight check here. The 18. Oh, okay, is I just see the, the same. Is, oh, okay. You see the same thing. You don't know why he might be acting cagey, but you see he is. He definitely doesn't seem very present. Before we rush into killing him, I think we should follow him for a bit. He might give us some clues. After the meeting, we'll we'll see. We'll follow him. See where he goes. I will follow your lead. We have a bit of a third problem. On top of our two-front war. This, uh, what did you call it, June? Operation Blue Beetle? The assassination attempt left me wanting for public opinion and did not do any favors to the numbers on the council. So we've got a public relations issue on top of everything else. A demolished Eastern Front. A scattered Southern Front. A faltering war. Food, hard to come by. Desert, now having eaten much of the heartland. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be able to hold all of this together, but Katarina and I have put our heads together and we have an idea. If you're all willing to go east on our behalf, that would look a lot better coming from four permanent members of the council. Okay, so when are we supposed to uh, take these four members? Are we escorting them? Yeah. Are we taking them with us? I think that's no, what's happening, no, no. God. Oh, this is I can great. carry two. That's oh. good. That's good. Now, uh, okay, you're going to carry yourself? I'm not going to be babysitting C- council We're going to be carrying ourselves. CJ can carry the other two. No, we got this, June. CJ can what is, carry oh, the no, other two. No, 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 no. Wait till y'all hear this bullshit. No, wait till y'all hear this. Hank is just like, his hands are on his head. His eyes are the size of fucking, like, tea saucers. I told you they'd take it well. Take what well? If the four of you are willing to go east and investigate what's going on on the eastern front, try to find Alzira, try to make some sense of the situation, muster the troops if you can. They're going to respond better if you are acting in an official capacity. And it's going to reflect better on my government if I send people who work for me and not just People from the woods. Why are you repeating yourself? Where are these people? I right. will carry two of them. Because we are the people from the woods that you don't want, right? So that makes sense. You four are the only competent people that I have in this room right now. And that is concerning. He shoots a look at like the other handful of people who are in the room. It's just like, like the, uh, tell me I'm wrong. I'm asking the four of you to become permanent members of the Agri Council. Fill the vacant seats take up the responsibility how much of this city's resources can i reallocate to capobara destruction <laughs> asking the real questions here guards out there with campaign signs and then we smash cut to guard giving a stump speech banging on a fucking phone no 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 guard is uh, running for mayor and um one of his uh, campaign things to get rid of the capybara <laughs> exterminate the capybara I promise no more capybara. And get the knives, at least. <laughs> okay, if if they're using silverware and, and t- utensils, they could obviously farm. Maybe we could get them set up oh, in making brother. these 
art cultural oh, landscapes yeah. send, a little send better. Send south. Guard, if Capybara control is something that you are deeply invested in, and that's what it's going to take to get you to do this favor for me, then fuck it. Sure. We don't have a lot to go around, but I can figure out how to make it a priority. June, you haven't said anything in a conspicuous amount of time. Can I take it that you're not thrilled with the idea? It's the unknown. You had Trent, who was a mole person, and you didn't have the right information coming from the Eastern Front. I don't know why you seem positive that you're getting the actual info you need from the Southern Front. And we're going to be gone. We'd be, you'd be sending us off. So you're, who else would be in your council? Who else would be helping you here that you trust? Your mother clears her throat. I appreciate that it's a long shot, June, but I'm not sure what other kind of move we have left. I actually agree with June there. I think you need to be very careful heading down to the south, if you should go at all. If everybody would please come close to the table um, and just make sure everyone is like all circled around every, everyone in the room. Now, I agree with my companions that safety is the utmost, especially towards you, Lord Governor. And with that, I want to make sure that everyone within this room has your safety and well-being as the highest of priority. And I would like to cast Zone of Truth. Zone oh, of truth. Nice. Zone <laughs> of truth. <laughs> I, yes, I willingly uh, fail the same. Do it. Do it, okay. do it. Do it. What's the DC? The DC will be fourteen. Okay, I will go ahead. I will go ahead and roll uh, Katarin uh, first. Uh, this is a wisdom saving throw. Charisma saving throw. Oh, charisma oh, saving right. throw. Uh, Katarin has a plus two to this roll. She has to get a, a 12 to beat the DC. That's a nine. She fails. Uh, we'll go ahead and we'll roll for Hank. Hank gets an at one. <laughs> does, oh. Of course oh. he does. <laughs> Wasted our nat one on Hank. Damn it. We'll, we'll go ahead and roll for uh, Alistair. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the plus is to, to this, uh, but that is a 15. God yeah. damn it. You are asking all of these people to effectively take an oath? Yes. They all do. Everyone assures you that they have the Lord Governor's, and more importantly, Agravar's best interest at heart. As God has pointed out, Alistair, I'm going to be watching him particularly as we're talking and giving the oaths. Is there? Can I roll anything just to see if I spot anything on him? Because I'm looking at him anyway. You can roll me a uh, an insight. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Would you roll? <laughs> nope. Attempts. You attempted. Would you roll? No, no. Sorry. What uh, did you roll? <laughs> and that one. <laughs> For a total of three, ladies and gents. You do not see anything beyond the the little bit of caginess, but the rest of it seems genuine. And you see that Alistair kind of catches you looking at him. I wink. Uh, and as you all kind of affirm this, and yes, ever? Hank draws the meeting back to him. Uh, he says, uh, now, this is going to seem a little silly, but there's one last thing that I think would be pretty helpful before we start making our way out of town here. 
The title is good. The title is one thing. Officiating it is another. So I would like you all to be my guest this evening at a gala in your honor. Uh, a what? As we swear you in a little more officiously than Isaac's request here. What is a gala? It's a party. A party? It's a rich people party. Uh, we are actually going to cut. Everyone uh, goes back to their respective quarters, and I want to go around the, 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 the room here. You all find formal attire perfectly fitted to you in your quarters. Uh, I want to give a chance for everybody to tell me what it looks like. Going off Isaac's blue skin is so hard with colors. <laughs> you could do a dark purple like suit. That'd be really nice. Oh, my lanta. I love it. So are we talking? Are we talking like a full, like a full midnight purple tuxedo here? Absolutely. Ooh, yeah, like an ascot. Ooh, would Isaac rock an ascot, ladies and gentlemen? These are the true questions. Poofy with like a little, the little like, poof coming diamond. out. I think the poof. Yeah. I like a, a little, a little poof. A little poof. Usually it's chest hair, but he likes the poof to like <laughs> to uh. To wrap it for the most part. Amazing. He's just in the mirror. He's in the mirror Christ. way longer than uh than um June and Safra. He's and just he's hogging just, the bathroom yeah. in like the shed <laughs> thing. Just like Isaac. Get out. Hey, beauty takes time. <laughs> Alright. Some of us More? need to pluck nose hairs. Will you okay. please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Harissa, you volunteer. What uh what's your outfit? Um, oh jeez. Uh, it's going to be almost like a night sky with like constellations. So it has like the gold embroidery and things, but it's like a really dark blue. And so she's going to look and go, you think you, you expect me to wear this beautiful, gorgeous velvet? <clears throat> oh, I'm just outrageous. This is so sexist. I can't believe this is so pretty. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, with matching gold like heels, you know, I think sphinx this time will have a tux in the same colors so instead of having a dress sphinx is actually going to have a little waistcoat like a gold waistcoat with like a blue velvet like little jacket with holes for his wings that's yeah fucking great <laughs> So we're doing a role reversal, Spinks and I today. <laughs> <laughs> what is guard wearing this evening? Yes. I think there's a there's a bucket of polish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a large cloak. Yeah. That has what are the things called that you clasp a cloak with in front? Is it just called a clasp? I think it's just I think clasp. So. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's that like long chain clasp situation. Yeah, and it's nice. it's it's gonna be one of the ones where like there are two like massive buttons that look really shiny and have bits of embroidery yeah. and stuff that are held together by a little chain. It's also going to be one of those cloaks that has like different lining on the inside than the outside. Nice. <laughs> That's fucking um, sick. With little frills and stuff. I love that. That's such a good fucking answer. That's great. June, you find in your room, and you don't see everybody else's, you know, kind of clothes, which are very laid out and presented, obviously commissioned for this. Yours isn't. Yours is in 
a very old box. June, please describe your mother's ball gown that she is giving to you. That's cute. My mother's ball gown. It's a long floor length gown with a bit of a train in the back. It's a very simple cut, thin straps with like a little bit of wavy looseness up near the bust area. But in the back, it cuts way, way low. Nice. So big exposed back and the entire dress looks like molten silver. It's very, like, flowy and wavy and metallic-y. No wonder Dale fell in love. I was gonna... Oh, yeah, damn, it's... you beat me to it. I was gonna be like, hey, that's, <laughs> that's the dress your mama was wearing when Dale met her. Oh, man. I told him, you're gonna, you gonna get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, Guard and Harissa and Isaac, the three of you sort of find each other in a little four-room. You've been directed by the staff here in the Citadel toward where the ballroom is, where this gala is going to be taking place. And you are all dressed. You are all looking fucking incredible. Fine uh, as hell. And you all sort of get led to uh, again a little a little four room uh, that is sort of off to the side they've got a little side table with some champagne flutes and uh it is you know off of the main doors there's a steward at the main doors uh it looks as if they're trying to collect all four of you simultaneously uh and the three of you have a beat uh where i think you are all just sort of taking each other in isaac snatches the plate of fritters from the um <laughs> the one that's showing us in yes thank you oh y'all looking snazzy look at that i think harissa for once has actually got her hair down instead of like up in the ponytail and it's just like this very long like longer than than i think even she realized it had gotten just like big curly sort of she's rocking she's kind of like keeps pushing it outside of her face it's like and she looks so beautiful. Oh, I love oh she looks oh. amazing. I know if I say it too much, she's she gonna freak out. So I, just, but yes, she looks splendid. Oh, it's going so good. And he's trying. Uh, Sphinx is trying to stand like get, really give us a little twirl with Go his on. chest out. Like, oh, you know, velvet's just so nice. I'm just, oh, you look, you ah. look, um, co- courageous, valiant, even. Oh. I'm liking valiant. Thank you. I like that's a very good word. That's yes, very yes, good. Yes. Thank and you. And your, your cape is so beautiful. Look at that lining. Yes. So it swishes. June, you <laughs> quietly arrive. Oh, that cape is amazing. June, you look beautiful. She's like messing with her hands and like tugging. Safra's going to grab her hands and like pull her forward and sort of like, you know, do the kind of little dance twirl around, sort of like pull her hand above her head and make her do a little spin. And the dress just sort of, you know, spills out as she twirls. Oh, so, so pretty. My mother's. Yeah. I, I noticed that. And I think Isaac goes to his own little flashback to an evening where he was with his former family of Dale and Katarin and they're having this little festive night 
and then he flashes back to this one and he's he's just remembering that oath he made to these individuals that he'd do anything for them. Azik, you look so dashing. <sighs> I know. <laughs> he took long enough in the bathroom. Jeez. Listen, listen, you oh, know, yeah. I, look at my nails. Manicured by me. Look at this. It's very good. And purple good. is definitely your color. I like it. It's very good. I'm, I'm, I just look good in anything, honestly. That's why I've been <laughs> keeping quiet to myself for the most part. <laughs> I'm just so glad that my family knows how to clean up so well. Oh, oh hello. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you see this steward, this distinguished elderly gentleman, uh, clear his throat and gesture to the main doors. God, could you please? It would be my pleasure. I kick the door open. <laughs> <Bam>! <laughs> the doors fly open and strings swell as the five of you find yourselves looking into a formal ballroom. You all emerge at the center of a mezzanine that wraps around the massive sandstone ballroom. Columns line your path, and along the far wall, marble stairs spiral down to the floor. Moonlight pours in from the domed ceiling, giving a soft and milky aura to every overdressed waiter and self-assured attendee. Swaths of advisors and bureaucrats dot the floor beneath you. A dark, wispy woman sits perched at a central table, sipping champagne. A round, impish man helps himself to a plate load of patisserie. A sharp-nosed, willowy man traps Alistair Wayne in a deluge of small talk. But beyond Wayne, friendly faces abound. June and Safra each see a parent in the crowd, and Isaac sees two, as well as old friends and a few faces from his recent Anamarum celebration. Even Hank is already present, holding court at his table atop a dais. There is food and music and a general air of tranquility that belies the many front war abroad. But for the moment, for tonight at least, you are attending in your capacity as Agravar's official counsel. Your duty, such as these people see it, is here to them. Tomorrow can probably wait. Oh, why are you gonna say it like that? <sighs> I need a drink. Are people dancing and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, at first, uh, Safra and Sphinx are going to have a little dance. And once Sphinx gets distracted by the canapes, uh, I think <laughs> Safra is actually going to walk up to Alistair. Do excuse me, sorry, uh, to the person that's kind of talking his ear off. Alistair, would you like to dance with me? Roll me intimidation? Intimidation? <laughs> she's, she's not He's intimidated. Much. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. This is intimidating. As as a man yeah. set up in these ways sometimes, he's intimidated. I got a two, so... <laughs> Not that intimidating. Oh, Not that you're, intimidating. Doing, you're doing the doe eyes. Yep. I'm uh, really great today, guys. He clicks his heels and nods. 
she's going to uh you know walk with him to the dance floor and when they get there uh she's going to place one of his hands on her side a bit too low down if you know what i mean and then sort of like just start the dancing during this dance she's basically gonna be sussing out some stuff so this is like a recon dance because you know god made her really suspicious so um how long have you been a, a warden alistair before we get really really deep into alistair's whole situation which i am willing to do uh, i want to see i want to see if there's anything else that anyone else wants to get up to because i i think that we can we can do that that whole scene as a check I think that unless somebody approaches Guard, he is going to be mostly being a wallflower. And I think that he is going to be... Initially, he's going to go to approach Alistar. And then he's going to see uh, Harissa do it in a much more elegant way and hold himself back. Okay, so I have two roles that I want to see happen here really quickly. Uh, I want uh, investigation from Harissa. And I want perception at advantage from guard. A 10. I have not rolled any double digits Come on, this entire game. Harissa! <sighs> I need you to be my wingman. Of, I'm of, trying. You have to be my conspiracy wingman. I'm trying Everybody's so got a thing to hide. Um, I'm, I got a 21 on perception, though. Harissa. Yes. You get disappointingly standard answers. Oh, how long have you been a warden? Oh, I was sworn in after the academy when I turned 18. Oh, how did you uh, wind up on the council? Well, I studied under uh, Melvin on Lapinion, and he afforded me the seat as the junior position. Just shit you already fucking know. Pleasant enough, but maybe not the most helpful. Gone. Uh, on the other hand. The Empress here. You... <laughs> <laughs> you you like a 40. Maybe. You get an accurate head count of the number of people that are in this space. You are tracking everyone's movement. No one seems to be doing anything particularly suspicious. And even Alistair seems to have settled into his conversation with Harissa. However, you are going to have danger sense on any saving throws you may or may not have to roll in this scene. Nice. Okay. And June very quickly makes her way to a waiter holding drinks. All right, thank you so much. Throws it back, sets it down, <sighs> looks around the room. Okay, Arisa, Sarah's dancing with somebody. Isaac's doing something. Everybody's talking. Who can I? And then she sees Guard just being a wallflower. And she runs over to him and goes, let's dance. I don't. <laughs> Come on, let's go dance. I have never danced before. I'll teach you. It's easy. You just gotta rock back and forth in a circle. Okay. Uh, would the both of you please give me a group performance check? Aww. <laughs> I have a point plus zero to performance. I think guard is a negative one. Yes. <laughs> you got a four? I got a four. I, What'd you I get? I got a three. Got a three. You got a three. <laughs> <laughs> We're all rolling so great, guys. This, this is great. great. <laughs> I imagine like June like steps on someone's foot, and Guard is like, I understand, and he starts like actively trying to step on people's feet. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. You just gotta out, out, out. Here, let this me just. This is probably stand. the only performance role I've ever seen with casualties. <laughs> 
Uh, you clear the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, I use oh, this damn. as an excuse to leave Alistair alone. <laughs> uh, those rolls were actually both uh, bad enough that I think that guard at some point you do sort of step on Alistair's foot. And, he, and you feel it kind of crush in a way that's a little unsettling. Uh, but that's the point of dancing. So crush your enemies. Let, let me just... Guard, let me just stand on your feet so you don't step on my toes. Oh, it's like daddy-daughter dancing. That's really cute. Okay. As they start dancing, she's she can't really reach up to his shoulders, so she's going to put her, her bond hand, like, right on his chest. Does it, like... I imagine it looks really pretty. Yeah, it refracts sort of the light against his chassis buffed to a high fucking polish this evening and you see a little kind of shimmer in time with your own heartbeat and connection to the world what do you think about us being council people it is very weird but the impression that I got was that it is mostly a title. I'm just worried that Hank won't actually be surrounded by trustworthy people while we're gone. I'm just, I'm worrying about him and Mama. And... I think that is a reasonable worry. I saw Alistair in the sewers earlier, but it felt unusual seeing him there. I think your suspicion about the safety of your mother and brother is apt. Guard, you do clock him along the back wall of the ballroom behind several people you're tall enough to see over them. Uh, at the same time that you hear Hank stand and begin to call everyone's attention with his crystal. Everybody, I, uh, of course, wanted to thank you for coming this evening. I appreciate that uh, we've been through some tumultuous times of late, but... I think we are getting that ship righted, so to speak. I'm incredibly honored to present to you our four newest members of the Agri Council, four astounding individuals that I have had the privilege of getting to work with closely these last few months. I believe that they are going to guide us well, serve our cause, and make us proud. Uncle Isaac. The floor is yours if you'll have it. <sighs> you know I always do this. Look, look at all y'all. Beautiful everyone tonight. Just looking sharp. We're all here. Very merry and happy this evening. Some of us are making our negotiations. Schmoozing with who we wish and making plans for what we want. For ourselves and some for the needs of our dear Sagrava and her future. Now it takes a village to raise a child, it's a term that we all know very well. Now in this case, we here are the village and our child is this new country. This new country that we will have to make sure balances with the world and the oaths that will need to be taken so that she can survive and help shape a world we all wish to leave for a grand future. 
So I remind everyone in this room, your decisions in this present state matter. You are all here because you will make the choices for the people, places, and deeds all out there. We have chosen a leader that will help guide us there. That was our choice. We fight the evils who don't agree with us and our decisions. That was, again, our choice. And we will bear our teeth at whoever doesn't want that better future. Again, our choice. So to my siblings of Agravar, I have but one question. We'll call it an oath, if you will. Do you wish to be remembered as a small little rebellion? A small knot of string lost to the sea of time? Or will you be the foundation of this small seed that we've planted and grow it into the marvelous world we will promise for those to come? Sighs in relief. Katarin sighs in relief. <laughs> it's like this could have gone so badly. <laughs> and it seems that for the moment, everything might go the way that you planned. Maybe this crazy contraption that Hank is trying to pull together might work. It gets you to where you need to go. And maybe it pushes back against the Empressar in just the right ways. I need all of you to please make me a constitution, a dexterity, and a strength saving throw. Guard, you have advantage on the dex save. Uh, guard, what was your con save? Uh, my con save was a 13. Your dex? A 12. And your strength? 19. All right, Isaac, con. Con was 18. Okay, uh, dex? 10. Okay, and strength? 24. Okay. Harissa, con? 21. Okay, dex? 15. Okay, strength? 20. June, con? Uh, 10. Okay, dex? 28. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, strength? 14. And we're back up to stinks. Con? 15. Dex? 24. Strength. 11. Guard and June, you are now blinded. June and Mr. Spinks are thrown back 10 feet. They are prone. And they are completely disarmed of anything that they were carrying. Just canapes for Spinks, so that's okay. <laughs> All over the ground. All over the ground, he solves it. Guard and Isaac take 31 points of fire damage. <gasps> what the fuck? Is this magic? No. Okay. That was an explosion of some it's fucking bomb. Sort. Harissa yes. takes 15. Sphinx takes 15. And June 
because evasion takes none. White, hot light rips through this room. And I need you all to roll me initiative. Thank you all for joining us in this, our final episode of 2023. We'll be back the first week of January with part two of arc four, Tortoise All the Way Down. And let's be honest, we wouldn't be able to make that episode or any other without our League of Rally Defenders. So thank you very much, Darlene Wallace, Darksteel Panda, GamerTubeHD, Lord Dreamer, Michael McFarlane, Randolph Jenkins, Reshi Snivy, and descending at last to Rally Defender status, Derek Silverstone. You all make this show happen, and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you very much. I love you. Bye.